0: fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. Today on the show, we discussed the Bulls losing to the Blazers last night. If, like me, you had to, I don't know, at least for me, I suppose, I got used to the Bulls just just constantly winning and taking the league by storm, and a loss right now kind of feels weird and hollow, or at least it did post the, that game against the Blazers, particularly against that game where it, where it should have probably felt like a win or it was a win at least at half time. That was the perspective I had after the game. Then you remember that the Bulls, are, they're 10 and five, they're fifth in the league in net rating and all seems fine again when you're sort of comparing this season to last. So whilst things sucked last night, and we'll get into that in more detail, things are still going well for the Bulls, all things considered. So I'd like to focus on on the positives too. And here to talk to me about all things Bulls is YouTube and Twitter sensation, Rusty Buckets. How are you, sir?
1: Sensation. <laughs> well, I just
0: thought I'd throw it in there. <laughs> Why not? Hello. Hi, I am Rusty Buckets. That's my well, YouTube name. Look, I'm, I'm trying to be more positive this season. Um, I, I know a lot of people like to refer to me as a, a bulls pessimist, but I, I you know, I thought I'd throw in the sensation there. You, well, you've heard I mean, that.
1: It's kind of hard to be pessimistic this time around. I mean, I know fucking Joe Cowley <laughs> or whatever. Oh, can I curse? I forgot.
0: Yeah, yeah. You you can curse, <laughs> but you can't say his
1: name on the podcast. Ah, well, that guy, he <laughs> he who shall not be named, he didn't find yeah. a way to be negative, but uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't see uh Victor Ladipo in a first round pick leading to this record, so
0: No, certainly not. Certainly not. Well of it. thankfully uh Artouris kind of and Mark Eversley don't don't read the uh, Chicago sometimes, which is good good to note. But um yeah, like like I said at the top there, like yesterday I was I don't know, like that was annoying because it should have been a win and at halftime, mm-hmm. it was it felt like it was going to be a very comfortable win. Mm-hmm. And Let then actually, the third quarter happened
1: because i moved out uh i can't yeah. watch all the bulls games with my dad anymore who is very much a fair weather fan and now that they're good <laughs> he's tuning into every single game but yeah, he yeah. texted me last night uh sweet and smooth right now and then he goes good first half i'm out because he has an <laughs> actual job uh yeah. <laughs> not my fault if they lose and then this morning i just wake up to a
0: well dot dot
1: dot damn
0: <laughs> it's like what a 15 point go? lead at half <laughs> yeah, 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 15, yeah. plus 15 they were, and it, sh- it probably should have been more if the roughing in the first half was, was really shit, to be honest with you, like that cost the Bulls to a degree, I, w- I won't say it cost them the game, because they most certainly ruined that themselves in the third quarter when they had 10 turnovers in the third quarter, but um, they probably should have been up more than 15, all things being equal, but nonetheless, I guess the story for me was that third quarter and just... You know, the the amount of turnovers that uh the bulls committed in that game, it was unlike them. They they've been like top five, top six in terms of turnover percentage of this season, so they have been good at protecting the ball, but it just went all to went all to hell in that third quarter. I had yeah. no idea what these guys were doing. But, and, the, um, and it felt quarter.
1: even it felt even worse than the numbers made it out Yeah. You.
0: Like it felt worse than mm. ten. Mm. <laughs> It did, it did. and I think maybe it felt worse because there was like several possessions where it was like successive turnovers, like maybe three, four, five turnovers in a row type thing. So it was like just gifting the Blazers free opportunities to to go back and get some attempts, whilst obviously the Bulls weren't getting any shots up themselves. So they shot themselves in the foot. There was a lot of discourse about that third quarter, the turnovers, and um, I got got myself involved in it as I typically do. But um, I mean. So much of the conversation was the the, the the center rotation and how a lot of these turnovers were driven by the fact that Tony Bradley was on the floor, or Derek Jones Jr. was out there and the Bulls weren't big enough. And I know I got into a bit of an argument there with my uh, good pal C-Red Fred about this topic and a few other people, to be honest with you as well. But I mean, what, what what did you think the, you know, in terms of the Bulls falling apart there in the third quarter or even the second half, What what, what do you put that down to?
1: Well, I mean, if we're focusing on the big man thing, I don't have anything in particular that stands out. And and I'll say, uh, because things have been going so well lately, I'm much less frustrated with that game than I probably would be under normal circumstances. But it's like, I can take a little bit of an L after all the positive. Um, (laughs) In terms of the center rotation, I'm of the opinion that the team just looks significantly better when they're going small, particularly with Derek Jones Jr. at the center spot. And it's Mm -hmm. not the fault of Tony Bradley, which I saw you make some tweet about this, but, like, the guy is a fine 15-minute-per-game rim-protecting, rebounding big man who will finish a layup off in the dunker spot and stuff like that. But you really can't ask him to do literally anything else. And that's fine. That's what he was signed for. He's a minimum player. He's not expected to be great. Uh, Yeah still a little salty about the fact that he's wearing number 13 but uh (laughs) regardless he's a fine rotation player for spot minutes and for certain situations uh and he's being put in a lot of the similar positions to uh vucevic in the offense where he's in the high post and stuff like that trying to throw passes there was the other the game the other day i don't remember who it was against but i mean it might have been utah Where he had like a couple like three turnovers in a quarter that were like all really ugly because he was put in these positions where he had to be a decision maker and it's like it's not really his fault it's kind of a similar thing that was um if i can draw a comparison uh steve kerr when he was coaching the warriors after kevin durant left and he ran the same exact play that they ran for kevin durant for omari spellman meanwhile (laughs) steph curry is setting an off ball screen it's like look I understand this is an effective play, but it's only effective with the proper personnel. So (laughs) they're they're putting Tony in these situations that only work if it's Vucevic. And then people are, like, yelling at Bradley, and it's like, I think that's more of a, a commentary on Billy Donovan, even if I think Billy Donovan is, like, currently in Coach of the Year conversations.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I I don't understand the uh, scapegoating. Let's say to to Tony Bradley, like it, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, what what do you expect? That dude has been a journeyman. He's a role guy, signed for a min- minimum deal. Clearly, is not a starting material player. So why are we surprised that he's making bad decisions, fumbling the ball in the starting unit? And we we've kind of forgotten that the guy missed. Well, he was injured in in the off season as well. So maybe he's still tuning himself up. He doesn't look like he's in the you know, the best peak physical form, let's say. So I I just don't understand the discourse sometimes. Like there's so many things there that would would lead you to believe why he's not going to be an effective starter, clearly. But to your point, like they, they do look so much better with Derek Jones Jr. at center, which is kind of an insane thing to say, but he completely outplayed Anthony Davis the other day. But Unfortunately, for, for the Bulls, Derek Jones Jr. had five fouls against the Blazers, which yeah. was kind of a reason why, I guess, uh, Billy had to throw out Tony Bradley maybe more than what he wanted or why he had to go to Alizé or, or these sorts of things. I mean, we even saw Javante Green at center. So, uh, to your point about Billy being an awesome coach this season, which I completely agree with, like I think he's going to win coach of the year. Um He's, he's clearly mixing it up but at the same time like it doesn't have a ton of good options out there but i, I have like what i've seen from derrick jones jr at center i don't know how sustainable it is but it has been fun nonetheless
1: well i uh, this is a, a b- beyond the chicago bulls thing but i am mm. kind of at a weird crossroads just with the center position period where i yeah. kind of feel like it's supposed to be dying but we're also getting <laughs> so many talented centers that like Prevent it from happening. So, like, yeah. Jokic and Embiid, and I guess you could say Giannis a little bit there, and then AD, and then to a smaller extent, guys like Vucevic or Carl Anthony Towns, uh, mm-hmm. because they're so damn talented, we can't make this evolution yet because they will burn you. But at the same time, you see all the time where when both teams don't really have a dominant big man, the game always goes away from it. Like, uh, the Warriors—they're always going to that death lineup, and I don't remember who I saw them play. No, I, it was when I saw them play the Hornets in person on uh, Tuesday—or no, mm-hmm. sa- Sunday. Uh, yeah. They—the the, the Hornets were running Kelly Oubre at center. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the Warriors were running Draymond Green at center. So it was like, you know, Mason Plumlee and Kevon Looney are not gonna be the decisive players here. They're not dominant big mans that are like, we'll just run the small lineup. I think that's where the game will go, but it's the problem is guys like Jokic exist. and It's like, we can't just not have a big player on our roster.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree, which is part of the reason why I don't get this whole discourse around the Bulls needing another big, they need another big, all this sort of stuff. Like, yeah, no. I don't really think they do. Like, if Vooch is healthy and Tony Bradley's only playing 10, 15 minutes a game, then I think they've got enough centers, to be honest with you. And what I think they need, and to your point, they probably need more wings, which is kind of insane to say, given how much more wings has been infused into the roster this season compared to, you know, the previous three or four or just generally through the Gar Packs era. But... It feels like they need one more wing, if anything else, so that they can really counter those small ball lineups. Like, I mean, this is where Patrick Williams would have been obviously very useful, mm-hmm. when we saw glimpses of it where Patrick was thrown out there as a, as a, you know, the the makeshift center, let's say. But uh, like, like, like we saw against the Blazers, Derek Jones Jr., Javante Green is playing center. There was, there was periods where he was matching up against Larry Nance. So to your point, like is throwing this around. I think Derek can be small ball center. I'm not actually. I think he can sustain that. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I think it's possible just due to the fact that he's probably best utilized as a center, like sticking him in the corner to just, you know, shoot spot up threes or having sort of running on the baseline there to to cut off the, um, DeMar and Levine, like that can work. And we saw that work initially when he started getting minutes, but he has been kind of a little mini revelation, if you will, just being the role guy and getting up and dunking the thing. And uh, we all know how... We all know about his athletic prowess, but the way the guy gets up and the way he can be that role man, Um he, he certainly feels more comfortable being that role man in that short role, even making plays out of the short role than, than Tony Bradley. But there is something there. They may have stumbled, up, stumbled upon something. And, you know, that's, that's the positive here, I guess, that even though Vooch is out, like it hasn't been a complete calamity. I mean, like the Warriors game, for example, was, like that was the first game without Vooch, but they used that game as an example to maybe you know, workshops and things, which is why we saw Derek Jones become that backup center. And maybe the Bulls have found some things there.
1: Yeah. And I think this could be a case where like a player wasn't really fitting anywhere naturally, but then they just get put in this different position and suddenly it's a revelation. Like I can think of like a while back, Marvin Williams going to power forward like just yeah, made him yeah. so much more effective than when he was a small forward. And I think it could be a similar thing with Derek where it's like because he can't shoot and he's not really got, you know, the the most like uh, forward skills necessarily. But he's obviously way faster than fives, generally speaking. He can kind of figure it out at that position more so. And I just I just really enjoy that version of this roster especially like the team was already like a serious threat in the fast break and then you also have Derek jones jr thrown in the equation i think it's it's pretty fun and i think it's effective and it gives more versatility and i think there will be moments because i'm really high on the Derek at center thing i think there will be moments even when vooch is back where billy favors that lineup even though obviously Vucevic brings way more to the table offensively, but especially like closing games and things like that, I would not be surprised if there were possessions where Vuce just sat on the bench, uh, so that Derek could be the small ball five. Obviously, depending on the
0: matchup. Yeah, completely agree. And, and and as we get deeper into the playoffs, I mean, for the last number of years, like even in the bubble, the um, the the, the heat and Celtics Eastern Conference finals, it was. During those games, there there was lineups where there was no center on the court. Now maybe Bam breaks that a little bit because he's that hybrid forward center. But like even mm. in in like the Raptors, take the Raptors for example this season, they don't really play a ton of minutes with a traditional center. Let's say I know they have like Precious and um, Ken Birch and these sorts of guys, but they're not relying on them heaps. It's more so the the, the plethora of wings that they have. So I, yeah. I take your point. Like that's that's the way I like basketball as well, and I think that's where things are headed. And Frankly, it's just nice to see the Bulls going this way because even last season they were running two traditional big lineups all this all the freaking time. But um, that hasn't been the case this season at all. And you spoke about versatility there and and the fact that you know you can maybe play guys in different positions and that can put them in different uh, well that different role put them in a better position to succeed. And, Maybe transitioning away from the center position, but, you know, keeping that same thought process, like that's why I was super excited about Kobe White returning mm-hmm. this uh, this season, obviously he came back against the Lakers for his first game, played his second game against the Blazers, didn't really impact either game, which to me isn't super surprising, but I don't know, I, I wanted to talk about Kobe because... You know, they haven't necessarily got him involved in the offense, but I've also I've, I've kind of liked the fact that he hasn't forced the issue as well. But I don't know. What what are your thoughts and impressions about Kobe? Do you think he's come back too early? Uh, yeah, let me let me know your well, thoughts.
1: Well, if you're considered a negative Bulls fan, then you all should hear my thoughts <laughs> on Kobe White from the past two years. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, I was negative
0: too. I was negative too, I'm, to be fair. I'm
1: sure, but uh, I was very much in the camp of just like, Kobe White is not like going to be a star caliber player but in as many Bulls fans would hype him up to be. But now in this position that he's currently on with his roster is kind of the role that I thought he was always made to play. Um, yeah. I understand saying that about someone who's in his third year and like what, 21, 22 years old or whatever is like um, kind of weird. And people like, actually I'm pretty sure he's like 20 because I'm pretty sure he's younger than me. But uh he, I understand saying, like, oh you're capping him off there, but, like, sometimes you can just tell with some players, and it just, Mm -hmm. it really feels like that's what Kobe's role is made to be. So, I think he'll be fine where he is. I'll just say the first two games, first of all, it's been very limited minutes, which I think is just a result Mm -hmm. of, like, injury and restriction and all that. Uh, Yeah. They haven't really looked for him, and that's the thing, Mm -hmm. is that if you're not looking for Kobe on offense, especially running plays to get him open for threes and stuff like that, which is probably his biggest thing that he brings to the table currently, uh, that not doing that kind of makes playing him pointless. Like at that point, you'd rather give Io the minutes for his versatility, but, Uh I imagine that's just something that has to be adjusted to. And I imagine Billy doesn't want to mess with the formula all too drastically because it's been winning too much. So it's like a awkward situation for Kobe where it's like, we want to get you acclimated acclimated, but we don't want to really want to deal with the negatives of that
0: right now. So it's gonna be a process, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. But but at the same time, like the more they limit Kobe for whatever reason, the more I feel very confident about him. Like and that's not to say, like, these two two games I've you know, I've watched Kobe and just been blown away with what he's done because obviously that hasn't been the case. But I like the fact that he hasn't come back in and just been an irrational confidence guy who's disrupted the flow, who's ruined um, how things are currently flowing within the offense, whether it's the first unit, second unit, whatever it may be. Like, he hasn't tried to force the issue. So whilst I, I eventually expect him to round into form and to come off the bench and to, you know, get up buckets will get up shots to get buckets at the moment. Like I I like the fact that he's not forcing things and he even like, there's been a few defensive possessions where he's done some nice things as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he he hasn't, he hasn't been playing many minutes. They haven't necessarily been looking for him. He hasn't been looking to jack up shots, but he hasn't been a detriment in that, in that regard either. And and I kind of like the way he's, he's come back and approached it.
1: That's kind of why I had issues with Kobe before is that like, it's not even really his fault. It's just that, like no one was creating shots besides for Zach Levine, so it kinda of fell mm-hmm. into his hands and he just was not good enough at it. Uh, there was yep. one shot that he took in the first game. I don't remember who they were playing in that game, uh, the one before the uh the Lakers? yesterday. The Lakers, yeah. He took a pull up mid range shot, and I was like, No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. necessary. We already have too many guys doing that. You don't need to do that. Shoot threes. <laughs> like I like him just being mostly a shooter primarily right now and then Off the dribble occasionally is cool, but like, don't I don't want like possessions going down the floor where it's like, oh yeah, this is a Kobe White possession. Like, if he's in the right position to score, go for it, but I don't want it to be like relying on him because we don't need to rely on him
0: anymore. But that's also a
1: benefit because if he has a bad game, it's not nearly as big of a deal as it used to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And to your point, like he he had two attempts against the Blazers and they were both three. So that, that makes sense. But yeah. I guess at the same time as well, like the acclimation process of Kobe is maybe going to be a little bit slower than maybe what it could have been because Vooch is out and like Kobe and Vooch found a, a really nice partnership towards the end of last season. So it probably would have been easier to reintegrate him back into the lineup or at least be a little bit easier. I'm not suggesting he would have played much better, but having that pick and roll partner like with Vooch you know a player that Kobe got used to playing that would have been helpful because like to be frank he hasn't really played with any of these guys beyond Zach at the moment so this is all new for him we have to remember that and he's obviously obviously coming back from a a pretty serious injury missed all of the offseason so I'm hoping Bulls fans have expectation low which is again ironic for me to say because I was the Kobe hater last season but here I am sort of uh, expecting good things, um being positive around him, and I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful for the rest of the fan base will follow soon. Yeah. But what's, I mean,
1: what's crazy about the Bulls right now is it doesn't even feel like they're—I'd say they've reached like 70% of their offensive potential. Like yeah, not even. Uh, yeah, especially yeah. with Vucevic's early struggles, Kobe mm-hmm. White not being there yet, and what he can bring to the table. Like I feel like this team could be a lot better offensively, and they're already a top 10 offense.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, and the funny thing is, like, at times the half court offense just stinks. Like we saw that against the Blazers, where and we've seen in, in this previously as well, whether Vuce was playing or not. But like beyond DeMar, and even at times with DeMar, like DeRozan did some questionable things last night against the Blazers in the second half. It kind of feels like they lose their way sometimes, and they lose their their poise, they lose their control, and they just start doing weird, dumb things. And that was part of the issue as to why they. Through the ball and, and had so many turnovers in the third quarter yesterday against the Blazers. But I don't know, when things get tight, when things get um, – when the other team sort of ramps up and starts coming back, like we've seen the Bulls – get out of those situations, but we've also seen them get themselves into those situations. I'm thinking about like the Toronto game as well, where like they were just making bad decision after bad decision. Now in that game, Demar was the difference. Like he settled things and got them got them that win, but against the Blazers, he had a really bad second half. So we, we're saying like it. we need Kobe to, we don't need Kobe right now, but I wonder if we're going to need him quicker or sooner rather than later because I I, what DeMar is doing right now is insane, but I, I do question how sustainable it is. Um, it, it's yeah. amazing. I want to see this continue, but <laughs> is it likely going to continue at this rate? Probably not. Not. I don't think it needs to either. That, that That's the main point. But uh, I, I guess if we're going to settle into a situation where DeMar is going to be the main guy and we're going to be riding this guy towards the end, uh, I, I don't know how sustainable that is, I guess.
1: Yeah, I don't know that, Demar being the best player on this team is going to continue throughout the whole season. Like Zach Levine, even though he's been playing good, it feels like he's been a little bit off for sure. Yeah, especially because he's had that that uh I don't know if it was a thumb or a wrist injury, it was something with his hands. But regardless, I think Zach will eventually assert himself as the best player, Uh, and then Demar like. I love Damar, but like the scoring rate that he's is been like better than his prime uh and like even though the thing that I was a little a tad disappointed with with DeMar which kind of makes sense with the personnel of the team. And it's not like he's passing up these opportunities. But the playmaking that he started to show, especially last season with the Spurs, I was really excited for what that would look like in the half court. When it's really gone to more and more to scoring. And it's like, I'd like there to be a little bit less scoring, a little bit more playmaking. But uh like I said, personnel situation kind of dictates that with Lonzo and Zach also making plays off of the dribble. Um, where am I going with this? Uh, <laughs> I don't expect, especially, I don't know what his percentages are, but it feels like his mid-range game has been unbelievable. And like, Damar mm-hmm. is one of those players who is act- always like a little bit worse of a mid-range shooter than you actually think he is numbers wise. Uh, for, like he has a crazy volume, but he shoots in the low forties, which is enough to justify the volume, but you're not talking like S tier yeah. mid-range shooters. Uh, yeah. he's been in the S tier of mid range shooters to open this year. And I can't imagine, was he 32 years old that he's going to, that just happens now. Like Mm -hmm. it's not likely, it's not impossible, but it's very rare for that kind of thing to happen.
0: I'd love to be wrong. I'd go back and forward on it. I'd love to be wrong. I mean, yeah, for sure. But like, I mean, this is where I go back and forward on it. Like DeMar is probably on an unsustainable run here, which is fine. Like if if this is the 110% version of himself coming back to 95%, 100%, like he's still going to have an extremely good player. But where I go back and forward on this whole thing is like he hasn't been in a situation like this before where he's had a player next to him like Zach who can take the primary defensive player. Uh, from the the opposition, that is, and nor has he played with a center who ha- is as skilled as uh, as vooch to be frank. So, like, there's... Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you add in Lonzo and Caruso as well, who are the main guys taking the defensive re- responsibility, like, mm-hmm. you know, putting DeMar on a real, I guess, a real threat, let's say, um, from an offensive standpoint. So, there's a lot of things that the Bulls have done to to maximize the best of DeMar De whilst minimizing, you know, his true weaknesses. So, whilst I'm not expecting him to maintain, you know, 26.6 points per game on 50% shooting, 35% from three, those sorts of things, I don't know how much it's going to come down. Like, maybe you'll eventually come down to, like, 23, 24, something yeah. like that. But I, I still think they're, they're getting the best version of the DeMar now based on all of his experience, ah. based on how the team is constructed. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. But you 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 touched on a point that I wanted to talk about anyway, like... It's kind of insane to say this given that Zach is averaging 26 points per game is almost at 50 40 90 <laughs> like those stats are just insane but I don't even know if he's playing that good to be honest with you or at least not anywhere close to the the peak version of Zach like there's been games where his decision making I think's been poor like the, the two sixes game come to mind.
1: It might have been the Sixers game that I'm thinking of. I just yeah. remember there was one game where there was a fourth quarter that was like, yeah, yeah that one yeah. was on the Zach. game.
0: Yeah, that that was bad. But like even yesterday against the Blazers, like he shot really well. Like he had uh, 11 of 20 from the field. Like you take that every day of the week, 55 percent, seven of 12 from the three point line. So you read that, and it reads extremely well. 30 points on 20 shots like he got to he got 12 threes up which is extremely important like he's starting to get back to the three-point line which is a thing that wasn't happening through the first 10 games but it started to emerge also now.
1: with his uh injury it seemed like he was just missing those more especially when it was fresh but yeah then yeah he's more yeah. confident now
0: but like Like even despite that, there's things that he's doing out there from a decision making standpoint where I'm like, I I don't know if he's playing at a peak version of himself. Like it kind of feels like he's still getting used to the fact that he's actually supported now with by good players, and like he doesn't need to double clutch some of these jumpers or take a a difficult spinning mid range jumper. These sorts of things. It's like. Just, just get those two or three bad positions out of your game and, yeah. and you can go to an even better level. It, it feels but, like um, there's an obligatory, like,
1: two or three post fades from him a game, and it's like, that's just not yeah. necessary. Doesn't really <laughs> it, it goes in sometimes, but, like, I'd rather just have an offensive set than just, hey, let's just throw away a possession on this shot. Similar to, like, the Vucevic post-ups, where it's like, yeah, it's not the worst offense, but, like, we can do something yeah. better every time.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there was there's a position that springs to mind from the Portland game. I believe either the third quarter or fourth quarter, but he he was in the mid range. He was dribbling hard to his right, uh, picked up his dribble. There wasn't a pass uh, immediately available, so he starts spinning on the spot, um, pivoting around, and ultimately just ends up taking a uh, a 20 foot uh, fadeaway mid range jumper, which. Predictably doesn't go in because it's a low percentage shot, and I know it's not a turnover, but if it kind of feels like a turnover. And if those those are the types of possessions where I'm referencing where if Zach could just clean those thing up, those things up, maybe just clean up some of his turnovers as well, some of the bad turnovers, then. I don't know. like I, It's it's insane to say, like I said, based on his percentages, but I still don't think he's playing anywhere near his peak form, which is, again, ironic to say, given that he has some just amazing defensive possessions against the Blazers uh, last night as well. There was one isolation possession where he was matched up on Dame in the fourth quarter where he completely stonewalled him. So, like, Zach is making leaps. He's doing things well on the floor, so don't get me wrong to anyone listening to this, but at the same time, like... I don't know if he's met my expectations, and and maybe that's partly just my fault because I had such high expectations. And I'm not saying he's playing bad, but uh, I also don't think he's reached peak form either, which is, uh, going back to your comment around the offense, you know, sort of humming along around 70% of what it ultimately can be, like the scope in Zach to be better too.
1: Yeah, I think if you weren't watching games and you just checked the box score, it'd be like, oh yeah, Zach Levine's been fine, but it's definitely not quite the same. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, even if he just remained at this level, it's still very good. It's just not quite what it could be. Yeah, I I, I totally feel that. But it feels feels weird to get nitpicky right now. Like things are going so good. And I felt justified (laughs) being nitpicky when we fucking sucked. Like the team's good. So like, sure, there are things that could be improved. The 72 and 10 Bulls could have won 10 more games. But like, I'm not really going to complain about it too much right now.
0: Yeah, no, I I totally get that, and uh, I I guess I I have a tendency to get nitpicky, and, and that's and that's fair, but uh, I I at the same time like that's exactly how I feel about this discourse around the whole center thing, like people you know banging on about the not enough bigs, like Tony Bradley and Vuce are, are big enough. I, I won't get into that again, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, like uh, <laughs> that's just more I, traditional
1: just, basketball people who don't understand where yeah. the game is going, potentially like a. See Red Fred potentially.
0: <laughs> Shout out to See Red Fred if you're listening. Hope you—he's mm-hmm. probably not listening. Why would he be listening? But um, if you are, uh, take that slander on the chest, mate. But uh, another thing that I keep constantly keep coming back to with this team, like I'm amazed by the level of defense that Caruso and and Monzo Ball are bringing to this team right now. Mm-hmm. Like Caruso absolutely owned own CJ McCollum in that first quarter uh, against the Blazers. Lonzo Ball was doing some amazing things defensively on Dame as well. And I was sitting back wondering earlier in the season, like, what the hell would the Bulls record be without DeRozan? But at the same time, like, you think about this too and extend this, this, that thought process to Caruso and Ball. Like, I mean, what version of Damari getting without Caruso and Ball? What, what is the, the ball's a record without these two guys, like they have completely remodeled and shifted the way this team operates to the point where it, it doesn't even make sense. Like Caruso was one assist shy of a triple double yesterday, played amazing defense as he typically does I have no, no idea what the Lakers were doing getting rid of him. And, you know, I'm obviously very thankful. But similarly as well, like, what the hell are the, were the Pelicans doing getting rid of Lonzo Ball? It, it makes no sense to me because these two guys have just been so damn good. And, and I'm, um, I'm very thankful that they're ended, they've ended up in Chicago.
1: I am very happy to benefit off of other franchises and competence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will say it's, it's I'm nice. also, I, I feel very vindicated about the both of them. Because Mm -hmm. when they signed Caruso, I I didn't see that one coming whatsoever. But when they did, and I saw everyone saying he was overpaid, I was like, you don't know shit about Alex Caruso other than the memes. So (laughs) shut up and actually watch him play because the dude is just one of those players who's going to win you games with the little things. Uh, And then Lonzo Ball, back in 2017, or not 2017, 2018, when the Bulls got the seventh pick yet again. I was fully in the camp of, and this was when he was on the Lakers, so he was not proceed very well. I was like, trade that pick for Lonzo Ball right now. It's the right decision. And now he's here these two years, or three years later, and he's a fan favorite. Lonzo is, Alex Caruso, same thing. So the point is, I was right, and you're all fools. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even, even beyond that, there was, I think, the Kobe draft as well. Um, when he ended up with the Pelicans or you know was when that whole thing was happening with Zion and AD like I know that there was a lot of chatter amongst the fan base to go in and grab Lonzo then obviously the year after that as well around the deadline with the whole Lowry for Lonzo thing like he's clearly been a a focus of some within the fan base and even within the team to be honest with you whether it's the AK uh, regime or maybe even the Garpax regime maybe they had some eyes on him too but nonetheless like Again, like going back to what I said before, I I just don't know what the record of this team would be. Like it certainly wouldn't be a good one.
1: What's also great about those two is that it's like it's infectious. Like Demar and Zach yeah, are playing 100%. the best defense of their careers right now. And I think it's just mm-hmm. because what those guys are doing just bleeds into their play. And like they're not great, but like you see them consistently at the very least putting in the effort. Uh there are a couple of possessions that stand out to me, especially in the um Warriors game with Zach where he just fell asleep at the wheel because he has those happen sometimes, especially off the ball. But, like, Mm -hmm. by comparison to what those guys have been for their career, like, Damar has been a plus defender and Zach has been a neutral, if not plus defender. And that's a lot to say for the both of them.
0: Yeah. And, like, move and bringing that to the offensive side of the ball, like, Zach threw a pass against the Lakers, which in the moment I thought was maybe the best pass he's ever thrown in his career maybe I was wrong in that in saying that but like the play before like Lonzo threw or grabbed a rebound and threw a a, you know basically a full court pass or a three-quarter court pass up to Levine for a dunk against against the Lakers and it was just you know beautiful basketball just did a a very Lonzo typical thing but then literally next possession Zach gets the ball again in a similar spot three quarter court and he hurls down a a, a, just an amazing pass to Lonzo for the transition bucket so like when thinking during about, that
1: pass, I was like, I don't know that I've seen Zach throw a pass that good yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. It it's very like casual. It, it, it was very casual. No one really freaked out about it.
0: I was like, that was kind of insane. For sure. Like, you, we haven't seen that sort of thing from Zach before, at least not consistently. But to your point around, you know, the, the value that Lonzo and Caruso bring and the way they play is maybe infusing itself into others. Like, that was a, a direct example for me of, of where I've seen that.
1: I will say up until the last two games, cause he went off versus the Lakers went off versus, well, not quite as much versus the Blazers, but, uh, he, he had a lot of good drives in that game. Uh, Lonzo did seem a bit disappointing scoring the ball wise, but now yeah. those two games have just elevated his numbers so much where he's like at 13 points now, 45% from three on seven attempts, which is absolutely bonkers. Uh, and you know, I can't complain too much because of the defense he's bringing to the table, but I did want a little bit more from him scoring the ball wise. But uh, again, I I feel a little silly harping on this stuff too much. (laughs) Yeah.
0: and, And going back to your comment about the nitpicking thing, like, I catch myself like getting annoyed when Lonzo whenever he takes a shot within the within the three point line like just just don't do that. I hate it when he goes for a layup and predictably misses. And having said that he had a couple of nice finishes inside last night but like even some of his mid-range jumpers as well. I'm like why are you shooting that? But again it's it's nitpicking because 99 percent of his game has just been so damn good with, yeah, with, last with the ball, year, so. last year
1: he took a significant leap percentage wise on the mid-range shots but like yeah yeah it's really not necessary from you like that's not mm-hmm. we, we have yeah. two of the best mid-range uh, three if you want to count vucevic in the pick and pop at least not this year so far but should be best mid-range shooters in the league three of them uh up mm-hmm. there not really necessary for him and that's my same gripe with that Kobe White pull up where I was like, we really don't need you taking that shot. It's just not necessary.
0: Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. And another takeaway that I had from this Blazers game, and just more generally watching this team over the season, was I'm kind of more confident in the defense right now than the offense. To the point where, like, the Bulls currently sure. sitting at ninth in defensive rating, they're ninth in offensive rating. So that you know to be top ten in both is is obviously huge. And the, like I mentioned at the top, they're fifth in net in net rating, but At this moment in time, which is kind of insane to think about, like I didn't think they were gonna be a good defense, maybe an average defense, but to the fact where I have more confidence in them now being a better defensive team than offensive team, that's it's kind of strange and wild to me, but I mean where, like I said where it sits right now they're both they're ninth in both offensive rating and defensive rating I mean ultimately where do you feel they sit in both of those things do you feel more confident in the defense or like you mentioned before where they're only operating at 70% maybe on offense do you think ultimately the offense will be more pa- powerful than the defense uh
1: I mean I think as the season goes along the Bulls will crack to like at least pushing like a top five offense and in the defense okay. honestly I mean I feel vindicated once again. Uh, with the defense thing is I was arguing all off seasons like you Motherfucker is saying that the Bulls are gonna be a bad <laughs> defense. I am telling you they're not now when they were like for like the first two weeks of the season They were like top five Wasn't expecting yeah. that to maintain itself yeah, 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 but I think yeah. they can remain a top ten defense if you would have told me before the season started They'd be like the ninth best defense. I've been like yeah, it sounds reasonable but my main argument, like, if you would have, t- if you said, oh, they'll be like the 15th, I was not going to get mad at you for that. But people were like, oh, they're going to be the worst defense in the league. I was like, shut the fuck up. There are so many teams with way worse defensive personnel who don't have a coach that's known for their defensive prowess. Like, obviously yeah, yeah. they're not going to be the worst defense in the league or anything in that category. So that's yeah. nice. But I think they can maintain the defense, especially because I think a lot of it, I think it's been both good from the personnel and the coaching standpoint. And rarely do you get both of those to the extreme that the Bulls have had it. Um, and then uh, offensively, like I said, I don't think they're near their potential yet. And I'm pretty confident they can get there.
0: Yeah, 100%. And so much of regular season defense is about scheming, but also just turning up every single game. And to your point about Billy Donovan coaching a good defense, like, Every single one of these players right now is completely engaged. He has them within his... Uh, like He's clearly obviously got something through this team where they're, they're all playing for him and they're all doing what is what is expected of him. Like you mentioned before, DeMar and, and Levine, whilst they're not perfect defensive players, they're making defensive plays. So yeah, it, it has been shocking to a degree. Like I, I was one of those persons that thought that would be maybe somewhere between 13 and 17 on defense, which... I would still be like, if, if that was ultimately where they were, if they ultimately fell as a 13 defense, 13th best defensive team in the NBA, but were a top 10 uh, offense, like that's still a very, very good team. So, but for them to be, you know, nine, ninth that they are as they are now, but they've been higher even before. Like that's where things where we can start talking about this team being more than a, you know, a first round team and maybe being something a little bit more. So it's interesting how it's going to play out. And, and I guess, what potentially may lead to them being something more than a first round team is the way they started racking up wins. So they're two and two on this West coast trip. They've got one more game here coming up against the, uh the Nuggets on Friday night. Do you think there are any chance to get a tough road wing in Denver, which has traditionally been something hard or something the Bulls haven't really done well, and uh, a lot of to be fair, a lot of teams don't do that well. Given the uh, the altitude there in Denver and the fact that you know they've got the damn MVP on their team, so do you think there's any chance at all that they could maybe sneak out a win here? And I know we talked about the center rotation, the the viability of small ball here, but does someone like Jokic just completely break that?
1: Yeah, well, hot take here, uh, Jokic <laughs> is a whole lot better than Anthony Davis and yeah easy specifically for like talking about that defensive scheme that they put up against ad like Jokic is way better at punishing you physically that's one of my biggest gripes with anthony davis and then also the personnel on the nuggets while it's not nearly as good as it should be because of all the injuries and stuff uh i think they're a better shooting team from outside for sure you can't exploit westbrook and things like that um and Jokic is way more capable of finding the open man so if you run that small ball and you're trying to throw double teams at him constantly he's going to make the right pass and the thing is i'd rather give austin rivers i'd rather have austin rivers beat us than jokic but <laughs> yeah austin rivers beating us is more likely than kent Bazemore or whatever uh so to that end uh i think they run a similar scheme i'd think it's just notably less effective. Uh, and then you're going to have to beat them on the offensive end, which is weird because the Nuggets have been weirdly good defensively, especially from the, the, the jump that Jokic has taken on that end. Um, I think it's possible, but I'm not banking on it. I was really hoping to beat the Blazers because I was pretty confident they weren't going to beat the Nuggets. But at the same yeah. time, the Nuggets offense right now is a Jokic solo act. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is, though, it's a damn good solo
0: act. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And to your point, they're 17th within offensive rating, they're third in defensive rating. So uh, yeah, that's kind of, I wasn't expecting that to be honest with you. But to your point, like around that Blazers loss, like now that you said that, like the fact that, you know, you were expecting a loss to the Nuggets, like I, I... I, I felt this, but I don't know why I didn't think of it myself. But maybe that's why I was annoyed about losing that Blazers game because you could have ended the road trip three and two if you just assumed that Denver lost was go- or that Denver game was going to be a loss, which I'm assuming it will be. But I don't know. Like maybe I was expecting them to, to, to lose to lose the Lakers as well because I thought AD was going to just completely truck this small lineup. But I don't know. AD's um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what the deal is with that dude, but yeah, he's no Jokic. He's not He's not anywhere close to that guy. So uh, yeah, Talking I'm, I'm kind of the... scared of this game, but at the same time, like uh, coming back to what we've been saying about nitpicking and expectations and those sorts of things, I think I would have taken a two and three record on this five game road trip, having known that literally before they were jetting off, Vucevic was out with COVID. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess that's the perspective that we, ha- we need to have if they will, for whatever reason, drop this game.
1: Yeah, it's just like the higher you go, the harder you fall, or whatever. It's like they've been yeah, winning yeah. so much, so the expectation gets a little bit higher. Uh, like initially going into this like three week stretch of November, that was like a brutal schedule. We were all mm-hmm. collectively like, if they escape five hundred, we're good. And then now, mm-hmm. I think overall, they're definitely above five hundred for this for November, and mm-hmm. you know the fact that they're going to not close it out quite as strong, assuming that they do lose that Nuggets game, will be a tad disappointing. But at the same time, going back a month ago, we would have been cool with it. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, when they get back home... Uh, Sunday night, they've got the Knicks. Monday night, they've got the Pacers. Two teams who aren't really playing good basketball at the moment. Um, and followed up by, on Wednesday night, they've got the... They hit the road again. They go to Houston. And then they hit the road again on Friday night against the Magic. So, I won't say they go, will go 4-0 and once they get back from this road uh, this road trip, this West Coast road trip. But they've got four games coming up that against... You know, winnable games, let's say, at least three of those games are below 500 teams. The Knicks are playing below 500 basketball at the moment. They, they lost the other day to the uh, to Orlando Magic. So, yeah, I really, it's, it's I still... I really need that
1: win versus the Knicks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't handle them losing that another game to the Knicks. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm confident that that won't happen given how the Knicks are playing at the moment. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. But look, nonetheless, win. we'll see how things go but uh, look, mate, I appreciate you jumping on the pod, man. It's mm-hmm. fun to talk to you again. Um, things, I think last time we spoke, it was definitely not, oh, yeah. you know, good things weren't happening on from a Bulls standpoint. We were talking about Jim Boylan and all that nonsense. Um, to be nitpicking small things now, it, it feels kind of ridiculous. Was that the last time I was but- on this?
1: We talked about Jim Boylan?
0: Uh, I'm assuming so. Like, I don't. I don't think he came on last season. I, th- I would have. I assume it was during the Jim Boylan era, and I think we were cursing about Jim Boylan. So, um, if, if that is true, uh, a lot of good things have happened since. So, we have to keep that perspective too. Batman so, brought uh, so much pain to my life. <laughs> thankfully, well, I was going to say thankfully it's over, but I mean he's he's found his way out. Uh, He's found that bald head of his has found a way to get on TV somehow. So I don't know who he knows who he's got over someone or or whatever the deal is, but how this guy continually turns up and gets gigs. I mean, he's coaching Team USA as well.
1: As long as he's not coaching my
0: team, I don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Fair. <laughs> fair. fair. Just just get him aware, I suppose. But uh, yeah. look, mate, nonetheless, thanks for jumping on. I mentioned at the top there that you are a YouTube and Twitter sensation. So, I don't feel like I need to tell people where to follow you because uh-huh. they probably already are. But um, maybe, uh, you know, just in the rare chance that someone isn't, just let them know where they can catch I'll you. I'll
1: say Twitter, you get very different content than you do from my YouTube <laughs> channels. Uh, my main channel is Rusty Buckets, and then my second channel is very creatively named also Rusty Buckets. On that <laughs> channel, I do post-game recaps, just talking about every, uh, not every game, but like three or four games a night, and then every Bulls game, because I'm checking that, so if you're looking for Bulls commentary specifically, I'm pretty much talking about every Bulls game on that channel whenever they happen, and then my main channel is just NBA topics in general, and... I know this video would interest you. I'm about to do a deep dive on how mental health is discussed in sports, specifically Ooh. talking about the Ben Simmons uh, situation.
0: Definitely, uh, I'll definitely be catching that one. Uh, the, the, the discourse around Ben Simmons is ridiculous at the moment. Um, I won't get into it because I'll go on a, a long, long rant, and I'm sure you will be doing so in your video as well, so I'll save yeah. it for the i'm sure and, and the responses you're going to get, get to that was going to be uh very very interesting but uh we'll, we'll leave that one there i suppose because it's uh like i said i could go on and rant for that one for for a number of reasons and for a number of obvious bias reasons as well but nonetheless man i appreciate you, can you coming hear the on bias and the re- accent <laughs> <laughs> exactly 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 but uh yeah thanks again for stopping by on yep. balls hq whilst yep. you guys are out there following sir rusty buckets there on twitter and youtube and all that sort of stuff the guy's just dominating that space uh if you want to throw me a follow out there too, at MK Hoops, follow the shit on Twitter as well, at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to be part of Bulls HQ Discord, join up now, either via sending me a DM On Twitter or you can actually find an invite to the the discord in the episode description of this episode. Uh, As always, subscribe, rate, review, share the podcast with your friends, all that sort of stuff. It helps a lot. Um, And if nothing else, it really helps my ego. Um, Lastly, any suggestions, questions or ideas for the show? Um, drop me an email, bullshqpod at gmail I'm always happy to hear from the listeners. But uh, that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Again, thanks to for uh, for Rusty for jumping on. Unfortunately, the bulls the bulls you know dropped the game here. I would have preferred to have been talking about a win, but um, like we said, things are still uh, pretty rosy from a Bulls point of view, and I'm assuming that's going to continue for the rest of the season. And as it does, obviously, there'll be more episodes of Bulls HQ coming your way. And uh, the next episode of the show should be a A different one, a special one. I'll leave it at that. I won't uh, give away too much details, but it's going to be a little bit of a different feel. But nonetheless, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Speak soon, Bulls fans.